praying, people. So this is it. It is our hope, the end of this celebration edition of Echo Chamber. And it only felt right to anchor it with someone that has played a huge part in it. And I say that because she has hooked me up with so many incredible people, right? Some of these great conversations that you have seen are due to this one person. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, like, it's too freaking even. Okay, people, so, yo, normally, right, this young lady is the person who is feeding the content, but today, I was going to do something a little bit different, and so we're putting AJ on camera. AJ, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for giving me your time. Thank you, and thank you for calling me young. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, man. AJ, I I was trying to think, right? Was clairvoyant the first thing that we... Because it was that or Miss Angela. But I feel it was clairvoyant. Gosh, I... I'll be honest with you. I don't remember. I I think Miss Angela came before. Um, I could look in my inbox and tell you in a second, but I, I think it might have been Miss Angela. Uh... And and funny story about that, uh, Miss Angela, the documentary I worked on about Angela Alvarez, uh, she is in the new Father of the Bride film that is on HBO Max. Um, really. Yeah, because Andy Garcia, who narrated that documentary, oh, was, he yes. was so taken with her that he got her a, a cameo, so to speak, in Father of the Bride. So I think, I haven't watched it yet, unfortunately, but I think she plays the grandmother, and I think she sings at the wedding or something like that. So oh, Outstanding. Isn't that cute? Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Especially, like, you know what I mean? Because that documentary, it was, like, really just... Is an incredible story. Yeah, and she's so, amazing. Yeah, going from all those years of not, then doing the big concert, and now mm-hmm. doing a film. That's just, that's something. Yeah, she's very special. I got to meet her in person once, and she is just adorable and wonderful and inspiring. So, yeah. Nice. Oh, man. That, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's... You know, I always say it, but everything you send across is super interesting. I know you're like the president of my fan club. <laughs> <laughs> I just like because 
it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have um, had the pleasure of speaking to like Arthur, Michaela. Um, I always mess up her name. That's all right. Arthur and Michaela are correct. Carlos, I think you spoke to. Yeah. And um, Maitland. Maitland. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, well, it's... you know what? When the press is nice, I will just keep sending them everybody. It's all good. <laughs> I'm happy, happy to do it. And you're always so delightful to work with. Ah, thank you. Thank you're you. Welcome. But yeah, no, they're, they're, they're all, all really just easy to, like, everyone's, no one's been a hassle. Right, oh. everyone's always just like super friendly, just super nice. I mean, um, the the director of uh, Maitland and Arthur's film, um, which the, the name is oh, um, all who loved her. Yes, good. That yeah. really sucks, right? But yeah. yeah, he was on holiday when you did the interview. I, I was know. like, yo, we, we can wait. It's fine. He was just I like, know. oh no. I know. He I, was great. He um yeah, he was lovely. I gosh, I feel terrible that I don't remember specifically. I think he is Peruvian. Yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah. And um he and I had lunch before I worked on that movie with him. It's called All Who Loved Her. And just a really, really nice guy. Um eager to navigate the American side of the business and just, I've been really lucky. You know what? The benefit of working for myself is most of the time I get to pick who I work with. So I've been really lucky that um, everyone's been pretty great. Uh, mm. I guess I'm a good picker. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it does look that way. Yeah. Which, I've, I've had a good time. Yeah. Which kind of, you know, that, that does, I, Whew. I'm I'm always very curious, right? Because in in this game, man, like you you talk to a, a lot of different people, right? Yeah. A lot of different people, and they're sending you stuff and all of that. Now, yeah. some people are, are super great. Like you always come with just all the uh, all the stuff, you know, the posters, the trailers. You put the, the the social media. Not everyone gives you the social media links, huh? Oh, really? Oh my gosh! It's just like oh. sometimes you just because you know I want to make sure I give everyone everything so you can because yeah. then you know what I mean like if um you know you have these great conversations like with um yeah. Michaela Maitland and you want people to be able to follow everything because they you know that they're just on the bubble they're gonna yeah. be huge so yeah. we want people to be at the ground floor just following and seeing what they're doing be able to watch and support exactly but if we don't have the website the social medias it's like you know what I mean and and I find it really weird that you don't always get sometimes you don't get the posters it's, it's crazy no I mean Maybe it's a byproduct of how long I've been doing this. I've been a publicist for about 16 years. Um, but I don't want to insult you when I'm with what I'm about to say. But what I have learned is that I want to make it as not only as easy as possible for the press to talk about my projects, but I also want to make it like I don't want them to have any excuses, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I, I couldn't do this without X. So I just... I give them everything. I make it 
impossible for them to make a mistake if I can, right? So that's that's as much material as I can get them. Or, you know, from the onset, I'll put everything into a press kit and send them a link to that. And then they have it for whenever they want. Um, and then the other thing that I guess is beneficial for me, at least, is I learned about social media very early on. I was on Twitter before it was spelled Twitter. It used to be T-W-T-T-R. And so I've been on, I've been on social media just for just about as long as I've been in PR. And I think that the benefit of that is that um, when I practice one, it informs the other. Yeah. yeah. So I'm very conscientious or of the, the handles and the links and the hashtags and making sure that the press has those as well. And something I always tell my filmmakers is, your business card is essentially the most recent project you made, right? Because that's going to mm -hmm. get you to the next one and so on and so forth. So it's like you said, get it on the ground up, like get, get your followers, get everyone in there. And that way, when you get to the next project, you have more followers and more things and more opportunities. So just kind of as like a build. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. That that is a big thing because you know I've I come from a comms marketing background and yeah when you're you know creating stuff or sending press releases out it's a similar thing you want to give people all the information right yeah. so so they can't be like well you know we did it like that because we didn't have this or we didn't yeah. have that no. leave no stone unturned make it impossible to give me an excuse <laughs> but. How is, because yeah, working with a lot of different agencies, so you get sent a lot of different, you know, films, documentaries, like, and sometimes the quality is super, super high. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do scratch your head and, and wonder, you know, yeah. like yeah. I always, even when something isn't the best i always feel all oh, power to that person because at least they tried right that they, they they did more than yeah. most people have done they they made that film which absolutely they also had to bring like get together the funds get together the people try find ways to edit district you know what yeah. I mean? so even if i don't like it right yeah they they did a thing and if I don't like it, someone's going to like it. So you've yeah. got to be respectful. But, yeah, you get sent all manner of things. And I, I, I just, yeah, as I think, as I said, like, the stuff you send is always good, right? So yeah. what is that process of, of looking? Because it looks like some people take anything, right? But... You, it does seem like you, know I mean, you're really conscious of how you curate the stuff that you, you, you look after. Yeah. I mean, look, sometimes, you know, like, let's be honest, right. Everyone's got to pay their bills. So I, I do try to only take on projects that I have like a personal attachment to, or some kind of investment in emotionally. Um, I wish that could be the case 110% of the time. I also have clients that come back to me with repeat business and sometimes I take on films for them. Mm. Um, but, but generally I do try to do what you're talking about. I watch everything before I agree to do PR 
for a film, I watch it. Um, believe it or not, and I have only recently learned this and it surprised me, not all publicists do that, which like blows my mind, which is probably why you end up with a lot of pitches from publicists that are not great quality. But again, like you said, they're out there, they're doing it. They're trying to make the dream work. And I think there's definitely value in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I try really hard. First of all, I chose to work in independent film. Um, I love independent filmmakers. Uh, they are um, passionate. They are oftentimes working not for profit, only for their art, mm. which I think is noble. Um, you know, they're, they're much more, from a PR standpoint, they're much more willing to try unusual tactics and non-traditional mechanisms to get the word out. Um, they're much more collaborative. They're much, they're much more available because 75% of the time they haven't moved on to the next project yet. So, you know, I, I love stuff like that. Um, and, you know, like I said, I have some distributors that I work with consistently and I, I try to take whatever films they need me for. But even in those instances, I still insist on watching the film and I still try to find something I can personally latch on to. Mm. Um, so like even, um, you know, and forgive me, I'm, I've been doing this for 16 years. I am not going to remember the name of every single film. But the one I sent you somewhat recently, um, the Asian film, was it from China? Um, oh. Um, it's, you know, it's... Beyond the Bayou? Was it Beyond the Bayou? Oh, God. 800-something. But um, oh, I'm a terrible publicist right now. Um, so... But anyway, my point is, like, for example, that film was in Chinese, right? I mean, it had English subtitles, but mm. um, obviously, uh, I, I what could I latch on to there, right? I mean, I can read it, but, like, I don't know who any of the actors are, just being honest. But at the end of the day, watching the film, oh, my God, it's just called V800. That's ridiculous that I could not think of that. Um, it just popped into my head. Um <laughs> So I worked on that film and Beneath the Banyan Tree is another one that I, but like when you, when you watch these films that have like a foreign filmmaker or in another language, what I can latch onto with those films is how beautiful they are. And that yeah. you can see the, the production value and the quality and um, look, if a film is in another language and I can still get involved in the story and feel something, then that in of itself is an accomplishment. So yeah, uh, like I said, there's, there's every now and then a film I take to like pay the bills, but that is that is like so rare nowadays because I work for myself and I get to choose what I work on. And yeah, I mean, look, there's even times where I've had too much on my plate and I can't take on everything I want to take on and I have to turn people away. But, um, you know, I try not to let that happen. I like to work on what I like to work on. Mm. So is there like... um? a certain genre that you kind of, you know, gravitate to more than others? Mm, not necessarily. I have worked on some really, just a really diverse collection of films. Um, I, I love documentaries. I think that's just because I'm kind of a curious person by nature. If I could be a student for the rest of my life and sustain a moderate, you know, a moderate lifestyle, I'd be thrilled to just learn for the rest of my life. Maybe the, I, I just love documentaries. 
Um, the election Nets one was that was kind of crazy. Which the the uh, the Alaskan I think it was the Alaskan oh, Alaskan Nets. Oh yeah. my god, that story unbelievable, right? Um, yeah, I feel like we have to tell your listeners and viewers um, that that story is about um, a high school basketball team in Alaska with a very um, predominantly indigenous population. The basketball team is primarily indigenous students. Um, and they, I, you know, it's like, I think even the director said this at one point, it's the varsity blues, mm. uh, bas high school basketball. It's the, the, the intensity at which they take that sport there is, is unbelievable. Um, so yeah, I mean, then look, I certainly don't follow high school basketball. Right. But I, I immediately just like that story was unbelievable to me. And then hearing, I should explain the other thing I always do is in the very first phone call, I always ask the filmmaker to tell me about the movie. And sometimes I've watched it already and I know the yep. synopsis, but I find hearing about it from the filmmaker to it, 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 it inspires me. It excites me. It motivates me. And most of the time they will say something about their process or about the film that I don't know yet. So like, for example, with the, the gentleman who made, Alaskan Nets, you know, they, they made it over many years and, you know, like 400,000 hours, I'm exaggerating, but like thousands of hours and they whittled down hundreds of hours of footage into this one film. And they got Chris Pratt, who's like this huge mega superstar to come on and be a producer. So like just hearing that story from them was immediately like, all right, I want to work on this. Like it just, it invigorates you. Mm. And if, I think it's just like also with that, because it's a fishing community. Yes. Then the fish, that side of it has got harder. Yeah. And so then, you know, that people are forced to dive, which is really dangerous in those yeah. waters. And you're watching it and you're just like, they're the people in the basketball team, but they're like, oh, I've got to go fish. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I've got to drop out of school because I've got to do And you're just like, yeah. What? Like, yeah. what is happening? I mean, it doesn't it also kind of? Did you see Coda last year? Yes. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, doesn't yeah. it kind of remind you of that? Like, you're living this one life, and then she also is like, you know, has to go fishing and manage her family. It's yeah. Um, the the dichotomy between some of our lives is it's pretty crazy, right? So, uh, man, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Thinking, like. You know, before you go into school, you're gonna go out on the boat. Right? Yeah, yeah, gotta get up at three in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's no different than an Olympic athlete, or um, you know, even like the FedEx guy. Like these these people have to get up super early to do their jobs and do it well, and then they have to go on and live their lives also, and hopefully have hobbies. I mean, you know, it's I admire people like that. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to get me up for work at three in the morning. Although that's not true. I've definitely done some press stuff. At, <laughs> no. But um, and it's a lot to get me out of bed at three or four in the morning. <laughs> Unless you're my dog and you have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I, I think I'm still up at three in the morning a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there have been, we can tell everyone listening to this. Um, there are times when you and I are emailing. And I'm up at 1 a.m. And for you, it's, you know, you're starting the next day already. So <laughs> I do keep some weird hours. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I just have difficulty uh, sleeping. But then also yeah. when a lot of times you're, um, you know, you're trying to sort things out with people in the States, you know, trying to get yeah. interviews and stuff like that. It's, yeah. you know, you'd be like, well, going to make like I can't be. Oh, well, these are my hours. <laughs> you work, you know what I mean? You're yeah. they're doing me a favor. So it's just like, you know what? I can stay up. It's all right. It's fine. Well, it's very nice of you and it's always appreciated. Uh, but it, it's like, um, yeah, no, it's it's super interesting to have these conversations. And I think I think the big thing that you said is like, you know, talking to um, you know, the directors at the start, like getting them to tell you about the film because yeah. Oh man, when you have these conversations and and you have these people telling you about the process, about the film, it's yeah. like a passion just really comes out, and you yeah. just you're just like, oh, I need to watch. It. Oh yeah, I've already watched it, but you know what I mean. But because they're really just so invested that yeah. the way they're talking about it, yeah, and it's it's why I like to do things long right I don't I, I I turn down like 15 minute interviews because I'm just yeah. like I, you can't get that emotion across in that amount of time you you can't get people to feel like super invested and I think it's important when you know we're talking about like indie films yeah. and, and people's first films or you know this early on in their careers because they haven't had that full exposure yet mm -hmm. so it's just like only through like a long form interview yeah and a conversation that people can find that connection and then be like oh no I'm about this person right I want to yeah. check out what they do yeah and I listen to a ton of podcasts anyone who knows me will tell you I'm a junkie for podcasts i'm a full-on addict for them and um even if you listen to someone's season like conan o'brien or uh adam carolla or mark Marin, these guys who have been doing it kind of a while or you know um they will tell you like even conan has heard him say on his podcast numerous times that he loves podcasting because it allows him the opportunity to talk to a guest for a long time as opposed to on his talk show where they're in and out between commercials so mm. Um, you're not alone in that. Even even the more seasoned veteran actors and podcasters like this long form. You know, even like earlier today, I was watching Steve Carell did one of those puppy interviews for BuzzFeed where you get interviewed and they put puppies in the room for you to play with, which is like, oh. it's just a, it's just a thing to make the interview different from other interviews. But even that is like, you know, they're sitting there for 25, 30 minutes, you know, even that for, for online or for broadcast, that's, that's a long interview. Mm. Um, but it's great because, you know, and also for the actor, they're playing with puppies. <laughs> so they don't <laughs> mind sitting there for a long time. But anyway, I think, you know, the point I'm trying to make is that longer form content is, is very advantageous in some circumstances. Yeah. 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 I, it, it, it's, um, yeah, so it's a weird one because people will always tell you, oh, no one wants to listen for that long. Oh, it should be, yeah. it should be really short because oh, people don't have the and I'm just like, you can stop it. 
right? Yeah. If if you if you if you need to do something, you can press pause. Yeah. That's the yeah. beauty of it. You don't have yeah. to if you can't listen to it all the way through in one sitting, stop it and you can yeah. come back to it. Absolutely. And as a podcast fan, I some episodes I don't even finish because they lose my interest, but that's fine. I will say I think there's like a fine line though. I've definitely there are some folks out there like celebrities or non-celebrities they do podcasts that are like three three and a half four hours long i think that's pushing it just a little that just screams out my ego is huge so you have to listen to me for four hours but um that aside i probably just got myself blacklisted from all of those podcasts um but (laughs) that aside um you know i think there's nothing wrong do what you want it's it's up to me to listen or not. It's, you know, same with television. If I don't like it, I change the channel. It's, you know, that's freedom of choice. That's mm. actually freedom of choice. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Take that, Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what led you to this line of work? Because, you know, mm. it's probably not the most easiest thing to, you know, Yeah, it's a fairly easy question for me. I mean, I know the exact trajectory of it, which was um, uh, in high school, I was a theater kid. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles. I was surrounded by Hollywood culture. Um, I wanted initially to be a performer. I wanted to be on Broadway. Um, After pursuing that for a year in college, I was so burnt out on it, having been in plays and stuff since I was like seven So I ended up deciding I wanted to go to film school and be on the other side of things. Um, I graduated from film school. I'm in New York. I moved back to Los Angeles. And, you know, as young people are ought to do, I was questioning whether or not the lifestyle of a starving artist was something that I could survive. That's why, by the way, and that's why I think a lot of these filmmakers who are out there doing it are so noble I did not have the stomach for it. I could not, there was not, I did not have that sensibility in me to try and try and try and withstand rejection after rejection after rejection. Mm. So I worked a lot and I tried to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, And then I thought, well, you know, I have a bachelor's in fine arts in writing. I was a writing major in film school. And I was like, what else am I qualified for? What else can I do? Who's going to hire me? So I decided going to graduate school was a good idea. And I majored in communications. And about a year into it, um, there was like one of those. And by the way, you know, full disclosure, I picked communications for two reasons. One, because I could take their classes at night while working full time. And two, it seemed really broad. Like there were a lot of careers I could end up having out of that. Mm. Also, Also, I didn't go after an MBA because there's another test you have to take for that, that I knew I stood no chance with. Um, So there's that. But anyway, uh, about halfway through graduate school, I went to this, this careers in entertainment workshop on a Saturday and everyone who spoke worked in the entertainment industry. Most of them were in PR in the entertainment industry. And I thought, Oh, that, that's what I want to do. That sounds great. Um, And I had been taking a couple of courses already in social media, which, by the way, this was 2007 at this point. The term social media did not exist yet, but they were just calling it, you know, 
online entertainment, whatever. Um, so yeah, that's when I started to get into all that stuff, social media, PR, comms, um, as luck would have it. One of the people who spoke at that career day um, was hiring an assistant. And I walked right up to her afterward and I said, here's my resume. I had the foreshadowing knowledge, whatever, to have it in my bag. I handed her my resume. Um, that was a Saturday. I interviewed with her on Monday. Um, I got hired on Tuesday. It was that fast. And nice. all of a sudden I was working in PR. Um, so was, I kind of lucked out that way. Uh, I didn't, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any connections in the industry yet. Um, I was just pers persistent and willing to, you know, walk up to a stranger and hand them my resume and hope for the best. And that kind of worked out. So, mm, and I worked with that person for four and a half years. Mm, but the thing with that, right. And, th and this is the kind of, this is what I, you know, always believe. And I tell people, right. Mm -hmm. It's there, there's going to be knockbacks and, you know, there, there's this kind of struggle sometimes to yeah. get what you want. But if you do everything that you can, you know what I mean? Make sure you're ready for the opportunities when they come up. So yeah. you were ready for the opportunity when it came up by having yeah. your CV. And I think that's the thing that not everyone does, right? Sometimes yeah. these things come and it's just like, oh, but I don't have this or I, I, I was meant to do that. Yeah. And it's just like, no, no cover all your bases so when these things happen you can just seize it like that yeah yeah and and there was a a mix of luck and skill and persistence in getting that first job also at the time my full-time job was I was an office manager slash receptionist at a law firm and those guys were the partners at that law firm were so generous and so nice and um they gave me a lot of responsibility, but short of becoming a lawyer, I was never going to have a career staying there. And I stayed there for a while. Um, you know, I was in my twenties and they were paying me pretty well at the time for that age. And mm. I was excited. I had health benefits, all those things. So it was a little scary to kind of abandon that safety net and jump into the entertainment industry. Um, I took a pay cut for that first job because it was important to me. Um, you know, not everyone can afford to do that. I'm not sure I could even afford to do it, but I did it anyway. Um, and yeah, so I think, you know, and also I was, I was not young by industry standards at that point. I think I was about 28, 27, something, something in there. I went to grad school a little bit after undergraduate. So I was a little bit further into my twenties and I still had to start as like the lowest form of assistant to break into the business. And it was, you know, something I had to kind of suck up and deal with. And, and, and it was fine. It was a good, it was a smart, like to learn from the ground up was probably one of the best things I ever did for myself to not let my pride get in the way of that. So yeah, yeah. That job was like, that was a great education to come up with. Yeah. I, I think that that's important things you've just said there. Right. Because, you know, we don't always know out the gate what we want to do. Yeah. Right. I, I started off, you know, well, first I left school, had no clue. I did a, a leisure and tourism course. Oh, because okay. I kind of thought 
I mean, it's pretty like it's pretty broad. There's di- there's a lot yeah. of different things I could do from that. Um, and then I couldn't get any work, and I fell into accounts. I did accounts for three and a half years. Yeah. Purchase left, uh, like um, you know, oh, just all the different aspects of that. Yeah. And I hated accounts. And it was like part of the, the one of my modules in ledger and tourism was marketing. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I remember really liking that. And then one day I heard this advert for, um, you know, this club promoter needed people. And so I just gave it a call, went, did that for a little while on top of my accounts job. So yeah. finished work, grab like grab my shit, went out all night doing club work. Yeah. Home, shower, back to the office. And, and it's just like sometimes you have to do these things, but it like kind of informs what you want to do from that. You know, it gives yeah. you that foundation and you'd be like, okay, this is what I want to do. But, you know, I couldn't, even with all of that, I couldn't then get a, a full-time comms job. So I went back yeah. to uni, got a degree, and then you, you, you know, you have to start at the bottom. Right. You have to start. And at that point, like yourself, I, you know, I was, um, oh gosh, I was about 26, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you're having to start at the bottom. And it's like, you know, a lot of people, they don't want to do that. They don't yeah. want to be like, they've been like, no, no, no. At this point, I should be making this amount of money. Mm-hmm. I'm not that I'm not taking those orders that's the meaning but it's just like yo if these are the things you want to do you, you gotta lay that foundation absolutely and it sucks but we all go through it we all deal with it hopefully you don't have any nasty bosses along the way and they appreciate you um you know I've been really lucky I've I've learned from some great supervisors um you know but I've done my share of like fetching coffee, picking up the dry cleaning, um, pay my daughter's parking ticket, you know, all kinds of <laughs> random stuff that you do coming up. But, um, you know, like I said, that's what we do. That's what we all had to do. It's what, you know, you got to kind of, it's an industry that a lot of people want to work in. And those of us who actually do are very privileged to be here. So, you know, they say you kind of have to earn it. And um, I acknowledge that it sucks, but, you know, you kind of do. Um, you know, whether or not you, you are the boss who makes someone go fetch coffee, that's up to you. Um, but you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of earning it in this industry, uh, Mm. kind of the, the realness of it. Yeah. There's sacrifice, but you know what? I think there's sacrifice for, if, if anything's worth doing well, it's hard, right? Or what's that? I'm going to quote Tom Hanks in A League of Their Own, like something along the lines of, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So, mm. yeah. baseball is hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, I, think that, I think that's a big thing, though, right? Because now, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, like cases of bullying in work and just all of that kind of thing. And there is definitely bullying in work. Yeah. But, I, I, but I think some of this is, I I don't know, it, it kind of weeds out the people that don't really want it. 
You know what I mean? Because um, I, I think, so, like, but to an extent, right? There's, there's being mean, which I think, don't be mean, right? Don't be shitty right. to people. But I think where you, like, if you're just doing filing for, for months, right? Yeah. You're just doing that kind of, I've done that, right? You're just making photocopies. You're just right. filing. You're just doing these kind of low-level tasks. That's not a terrible thing because no. it like if you're prepared if you're happy to do that right it it shows you really want this and then yeah. you can move up and get that next level and sure. I mean when you finally get to the point you appreciate it so much more oh yeah yeah for sure I think that that's true I think there's probably exceptions where people give up and walk away for other reasons or they're being mistreated or something like that. But generally speaking, like broadly speaking, I think, yes, if you are out there doing the grind, getting to the office early, staying late, filing things alphabetically and answering the phones. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's definitely an indication that you are toughing it out and want to be there for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And in this, you know, where you said, like, look, a lot of people want to do this, right? So what do you think are the things that make someone stand out, right? That make that difference in, in that, you know, crowded room? Um, well, I mean, I think preparation is a big deal, being prepared. I had my resume in my backpack. Um, I don't think anyone else did that day. Um, you know, stuff like that, being prepared, um, anticipating possible outcomes and being prepared for all of them. Um, I also learned fairly early in my career that it's okay to express concern about something or to express why something won't work, but not if you don't have an alternative suggestion mm. or, you know, like I can't just as a publicist, I can't just say, that's not going to work. We can't do that. What I have to say is, I don't think that that's going to be successful for you, but what we might want to try is, right? So I think that learning that early on was really beneficial for me. Um, and it's funny, the person I learned that from, I, I didn't particularly care for them as a supervisor, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that I learned a few valuable things from that. I think, you know, and that's another thing that leads me to another thing. There is something to be learned from every experience, whether it's who you like, who you don't like, what kind of boss you want to be when you're in that position, um, how to be treated, how to treat others. Um, so yeah. And what else makes you stand out? I mean, I also think, you know, and there's a, there's a, particular way to navigate this because you certainly don't want to be a nuisance but I think one pe one thing people undervalue is asking lots of questions because they're afraid to bother someone but as a as someone who's been a supervisor I will tell you I would rather you ask me 50 questions than try to figure it out on your own get it all wrong and then I have to clean up the mess or you have to clean up the mess which takes even more time because anywhere, especially in this industry, time is money. And, and so you can't waste it. Um, so I think that that's, that's good. Like recognizing the value of asking questions 
is is great. And the other thing, um, which seems like a no brainer, but unfortunately isn't, is kindness, um, manners, saying please, saying thank you, saying goodbye before you hang up the phone. Um, uh, you know, hey, can I do anything for you to make your job a little easier today? I think that that you you want to believe that everyone's out there being kind, but that's just not the case. Um, so, you know, I think that those are important things also. Um, yeah, I mean, in fact, I do a lot of uh, guest speaking in college courses. And I always tell them, like, you know, there's always some student that raises their hand and say, what advice would you give the next generation of publicists? And I always say, be kind, put a place a premium on kindness. Um, mm. You want to stand out in the entertainment industry? Be a nice person. <laughs> a lot of people aren't <laughs> yeah it is uh it's definitely interesting right They're, like talking yeah. with and being in these like certain events and stuff like that and you yeah. just see the, the behavior of some people and it's just it's a little baffling at times yeah absolutely and uh look like i said i have been 95% of the time, I've been really lucky. I have worked with a lot of executives, directors, um, you know, film crews, um, other publicists, social media directors, all kinds of people. And like I said, most of the time, I've been really lucky. They've been really nice. Um, I haven't had any truly terrible moments. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, I get stressed out. I've certainly been that girl who cried at the office a couple times or, and that's not exclusive to being a woman, so I apologize. Um, I think, you know, we've all had our bad days and we've had our bad experiences, but mm. generally I look back on my career thus far and I feel really grateful and I feel really happy that everything happened and led me to the point I'm at now. And, um, you know, I, I have also, while I work with independent film, it's also afforded me the opportunity to work with a lot of um, incredible, more known talent. Like I've worked with Chris Evans. I've worked with Tom, not, I'm sorry, I've worked with Colin Hanks. Um, I have worked on a documentary that Tom Hanks was in, but I never had the privilege to meet him. Um, you know, I got to meet, uh, I worked on a documentary called, um, for the Love of Spock, which is a documentary about Leonard Nimoy's life um, as a lifelong Trekkie. That was like it for me. That was the pinnacle. And I got to work with Adam Nimoy, who directed it. I got to go to the Star Trek convention. I um, I worked on a documentary about film composers or the, the guys who score films. And the documentary is called Score. And we got to screen that movie at the Dolby Sound headquarters in San Francisco. Mm. So I've done, look, I've done a lot of cool stuff. Um, you know, a lot of people will tell you independent film isn't sexy and maybe it's it's not stereotypically sexy, but I have done a lot of cool things. I've been very lucky. Um, a lot of nice people. So, yeah, I'm rambling a little bit. Stop me at any time. No, 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 no. It's, all, it's very interesting. I think it, it gives a nice little insight into all of this stuff. Yeah. Right? I like what I do for a living. And so I can, I, I can get rambly about it. I talk a lot. I love talking about what I do because I like doing it so much. 
and and you know we should all be that lucky right thank god that that's thank god that's my problem <laughs> yeah in indeed so because of that right what do you when you take these people on right you, uh -huh. you take on these clients like what do you think is your is your role what's your what do you feel your duty is when doing yeah. That's a good question. Um, I mean, the, the basic stuff, right, is to get press to talk about the movie, to get critics to review it, to get people to interview the cast. Um, my client, for all intents and purposes, is the film. So I want to always act in the best interest of the film. And if that means asking someone a question that I'm personally uncomfortable with, I will ask it. If it means... Um, you know, asking a reporter to interview someone and it's a reporter I don't particularly care for, too bad. I am there out there to be an evangelist for my client to do what's in the best interest of the film. So that is that is a good chunk of my job to, to be an advocate. Um, the other part of my job is managing expectations. So for example, um, you know, a lot of first time filmmakers will come on and they don't necessarily know everything about the business and they'll come on and they'll expect a certain amount or a certain type of press coverage for their film. And sometimes my job is to be the killjoy and say like, I'm, you know, that's not quite realistic for this type of film. However, right, like I said before, you can't just say no, you have to tell them what works. Um, and, you know, and I always frame it in the, in the light of, again, what's the best for this film? What is the best way to get it seen to, and also it's a business, right? So what is the best way to convert what we're doing into revenue? What is the best way to earn transactions? Um, you know, and, and I'm not, I work in earned media, not paid media, but I'm still always in the back of my mind. Like these filmmakers need to pay their bills. They need to be able to eat. Um, so I, I think about that also. So I guess that's also part of my job. Um, yeah, you know, and then sometimes, sometimes it's being a psychiatrist. It's listening to, you know, their struggles and their challenges and trying to find solutions. So I guess, you know, that answers your question, right? What, what is my job? What do I do? Those are the, the kind of broad strokes of it. Yeah. But that, that's, you know, I, I think that will make sense right because everyone yeah they everyone's got always super nice things to say right they're, they're always just like oh man aj hooked me up aj did this blah, blah, blah. you know what i mean but you don't always hear that right That's people really don't nice. say that about other agencies and, and you know yeah i mean look there's there's different ways to go about pr if you hire someone like me you know, you're, you're basically getting one person whose entire job is to pay attention to you. Um, I do have an assistant and I do have, um, and he's not a PR assistant. He's just like, he handles a lot of administrative stuff for me, part-time, super nice kid. Um, and I also, you know, occasionally will hire additional freelancers to help me on larger campaigns. Um, oftentimes I'm hired by other freelancers to help them on campaigns. Um, but, you know, the benefit of hiring someone like me is you do, you get more attention. I'm probably going to respond to your emails quicker. I don't have to go through any bureaucracy 
to do what I want to do. I can go directly to the client. I don't have to get a boss's approval or an accounting department's approval or anything like that. So yeah, yeah, you go to someone like me, you get attention. However, you know, if you go to an agency, you get two or three people working on one project and you get, you might, not necessarily, you might get more coverage. Um, you might get access to different press contacts with an agency or something like that. Um, they might be able to do things for you um, that I can't, but you're also going to pay them two, three times as much as me. Um, at the end of the day, not to be arrogant, but I don't think that the coverage I get is all that different than the coverage an agency gets. Um, so there's that. Um, I also max out at like how, you know, I, I only take on a certain amount of work. Yeah. Um, I don't know what an agency's maximum capacity is, but when there are two or three people on a team, they can probably handle more than I can. So, you know, the, look, there's pros and cons to all of it. I've worked at agencies. I've worked at agencies. I've worked in house at a, as the head of PR for a distributor. I have worked, um, at a cable network. I've also worked in live music. Um, and, and here I am now and there's, there's pros and cons to everything. Um, I can talk about that for hours. Um, so, you know, it just, something else I always say is like, here's my movie. Who's going to watch this movie? Mm. Okay. So X, Y, and Z are the audience for this movie. Now, where are they? How do I reach them? Where do they live on the internet or where do they live physically? And how do I reach them? Okay. Once you know that. Who is the best person to do that? Who is the best person to reach them? So, you know, there's a there's a series of questions as a filmmaker, as a client, you should ask yourself. And hopefully the the answer is me. Um, but, you know, and then the other thing is, is if I'm not a fit, that's fine. I'm not offended. Um, I've been in this business too long to be offended. Um, so I'll refer you to someone who's a better fit. And that's fine. I'm at peace with that. That's how I get a lot of business. People refer people to me. So, you know, we're all out there to support one another. I don't think it's a competition. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, uh, that's a real good point. And yeah. is it like, do you find that, you know, a lot of the independent like PR people, do, 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 is it forming like a community, you help each other out? Yeah, it can be. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely a few people that I um, reach out to. You know, there's there's a couple people I work with fairly often. There's a, a gentleman named Justin Cook, who is also mm. a freelance publicist. Yeah, Justin, yeah, yeah. Justin's been working with in freelance PR longer than I have. I, I He and I collaborate a lot. Um, there's another publicist named Amy Prenner. Amy and I work together a lot. Um, uh there's Rachel Falikoff and Rachel Hill. There's, there's all, you know, there's all kinds of freelancers out there. Annie Jeeves, another, I've worked with Annie a bunch, um, you know, and then the other thing about me that's unique is because I can also run social media campaigns. Sometimes I'm hired by one of my peers just to do social media and not PR. So I've, I've certainly done that also. Um, so yeah, but yeah, there is, there's like a little community of us. We support each other. We ask questions, you know, do you have a press list for this place or this person? Or, you know, I have this kind of film and I'm not getting coverage. What do you think I should do? Um, so yeah, it's like a, a constant group therapy 
session we all have. There's a lot of email chains and Facebook chats between us. That's cool, right? Yeah. It, it's always helpful to have that kind of network to. Yeah, yeah, and wow. and being a freelancer is is isolating. I work for myself, and I work from home. Some people rent offices. I used to, but I don't anymore. Um, so yeah, it's isolating. So it's nice to have someone to chat with about what I do that understands it. So mm. you know, the one thing I miss about being in an office is when I get off a phone call, there's no one to like wander down the hall and say, Oh my God, you'll never believe the conversation I just had. I don't, I don't have someone sitting outside my door. I can do that with. I talk to my dog, but he just looks at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> Oh dear, dear. <laughs> so, like, with all of this, right? Busy. There's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. So, how do you keep sane? Like, what are the things? I don't. You have in your life? <laughs> <laughs> Who said I was sane? <laughs> I, I try to be polite, AJ. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Let's let's go with that. I'm sane. That's fine. But yeah, how do you um have fun, I, right? What what are the yeah. things that uh, you know? Yeah, you I mean, look, there, outside we of can, yeah, we can use the term sane. Um, first of all, this is fun. Uh, most people will be surprised to know that I rely on this, right? But just as much as I rely on this, I still keep a handwritten notebook with to-do lists and checklists, and I love it. This is my brain. So I'm still very reliant on that. I love organization, color coding, highlighting, bookmarking, all those things. There's a lot of online tools that I use to keep me organized. Um, things like uh, Pocket and Feedly. I'm just giving people some free advice here. Look those up. Um, Buffer. So anyway, I, I use a lot of online things like that to keep me organized. And, and that keeps me as sane as I can be. Um, outside of work, I mean, you know, I, I try to have a social life. Um, I have a, a tremendous group of friends. Um, a lot of my friends who work in the entertainment industry. So we all kind of understand each other. A lot of my friends tend to work in post-production somehow, and they're all, a lot of them are freelancers. So there's some empathy, um, which is nice at the end of the day. But yeah, you know, I try to have a social life. I'm from Los Angeles. My family, for the most part, lives here. I spend time with them. Um, you know, I have a dog. We we try to I try to take him to a park almost every day so that I see some sunlight. Um, you know, I travel a bit here and there. Um, so you know, I also you know, there's some like passive hobbies I have. I love to read. I love to draw. Um, I love to just sit around and watch movies. This past Saturday, I watched three movies in one day. Oh, what um, did you watch? What's that? What did we can't just skate oh, past? Yeah, what you did watch? I watch. Yeah, um, I, need to know I watched. Watching. I watched. Good luck to you, Leo Grand on Hulu. Emma Thompson. Oh my God, so charming. Um, I I have been saying this for years. I want to be best friends with Emma Thompson so badly. She is so <laughs> wonderful. And if you've never watched her on a talk show doing an interview, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, and the gentleman who played Leo, I wish I could remember his name, but God, he was great. He was so good. Is um, McCormack? 
Um, yeah, I think he's on Peaky Blinders. But yeah. um, really, really charming. Just the movie was so refreshing and different. Um, Emma Thompson's performance, I found it to be kind of brave, even very vulnerable. Um, after that, you know, I was already on Hulu. So once I closed that, the next thing to pop up was a film called Fire Island, which is from oh, okay. Joel yeah. Kim Booster. Um, funny story about that. I took my mom up for Mother's Day to a taping of the Kelly Clarkson show. Joel Kim Booster was the guest, one of the guests. Um, so when I had Hulu open and that came on as a recommendation, I remembered that I had seen him on a talk show. Hey, that's effective PR. And <laughs> I turned the movie on and it's it's so great. It's a great movie. It's about um, some gay gentlemen who go to Fire Island for the summer. And at first I was like, how am I going to relate to this film? Oh my God, I so related to that film. So you don't have to be a gay man to relate to Fire Island. Let's just put the word out. Um, that was great. And then the other film I watched much less successfully was Valkyrie with Tom Cruise. Uh, uh, I was... I was I was flipping channels and it was on, it was just starting. And so I was like, all right, well, it's a Tom Cruise. There's only like three Tom Cruise movies I've never seen. And that happens to be one of them. And before I knew it, I was watching a fairly terrible world war two drama. Um, it's, it's not one of his better films. No. And, and to be fair, it's not that he's bad in it. He was just grossly miscast. Um, I happen to be, talk about hobbies, I happen to have studied World War II excessively. I'm kind of a, I don't want to say I'm like a historian of it, but I know a lot about World War II. And I knew a, lo a lot about the story that that movie is about. Um, and it's not that they didn't do it accurately. I just don't think they did it justice. Um, and I also, you'll appreciate this as a someone who lives in England, um, the movie is about Germans. It's It takes place in Germany. It's about the German army. And first of all, you've got Tom Cruise without a German accent playing a German rebel who is very highly regarded in Germany even today, by the way. And all the other actors are British with English accents. So you've got Bill Nye and um, Tom Wilkinson and, and all these, um, I mean, amazing actors, right? But like... <laughs> <laughs> nobody has a German accent and I think that, mm. happens, that happens a lot in movies right like they just cast English actors to play any kind of European person <laughs> and we just give into it but anyway this, I could deconstruct that movie for a while it was it was not great it was unfortunate you yeah. know I, I could find some positive things in it and I think the story it tells is important but um, there, there, there had to be a better way yeah, I, I think that's a problem sometimes. It's not like the acting is bad. Yeah. It's I mean, you can't go wrong with Tom Cruise, right? Like, mm. even when he's bad, he's good. And when is he ever bad? Like, he's, you know, he's Tom Cruise. He is who he is for a reason. Um, I just, you know, like I said, there had to be a better way. I'm sure there must be other movies that have been made about that subject matter. I'll have to look them up. Hopefully one of them is good. Mm. Yeah, he has been miscast, like Reacher, like those Reacher films, like, the, well, the, the first one, the first one was okay. Yeah. It wasn't Reacher. That was yeah. a big, I'm not like, familiar with the, I know they're based on books, right? I'm not, yeah. I'm not as familiar with the books, but um, yeah, I, I, I would agree. The one that of his, since we're talking about Tom Cruise, 
Welcome to the Tom Cruise podcast, everybody. Um, I think he's also made some movies that are underrated. Um, mm. Oh, for sure. American Made, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, was a fantastic movie, in my opinion. Um, he made a movie with, I'm, I'm actually looking it up right now because I want to get it right. He made a movie called Night and Day in 2010 with Cameron Diaz. That oh, did not get yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually a really fun movie. So, you know, I think he gets miscast and then I think he gets underappreciated sometimes too. Um, but yeah, yeah. There's my Tom hmm. Cruise spiel for you. Yeah. yeah. But I'm very excited. Maverick, by the way, phenomenal. I've seen it twice. How good was uh, that? Can't wait for the next Mission Impossible movies. Love those. So, yeah. I, those films really turn the corner. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like the the Furious franchise has developed, right? Like, they're completely bonkers and out of the realm of reality, but we just love it because it is bonkers and out of reality. It's crazy. (laughs) Those Mission Impossible movies are using technology that probably doesn't exist. I don't know what the CIA is up to, but, um, you know, they're, they're crazy. They're stupid. They're not realistic. And yet, so much fun. So much fun. Yeah, I, I, yeah, there's, I just remember, like, the first one, it was a bit like the first Transformers, right? It's just like, I remember watching the, the series as a kid. Oh, oh okay, yeah. they, they made a film. Okay, this is, like, it's completely different to the TV show. Yeah. But, all right, let's do it. The second one, there was a way too much of the, I'm wearing a disguise, look. Oh, yeah, you, you yeah. Know, they, they went, yeah. Wait, hard on well, that and the second one is interesting because um it was uh dugray scott right he was the the villain in the second one and he yeah. was he was supposed to be wolverine and tom cruise from if i remember correctly just reading this i don't know this factually but i think that tom cruise wanted to do some reshoots that prevented dugray scott from being wolverine and that's how it went to hugh jackman um, so that's kind of an interesting story there. Um, <laughs> I just watched, actually, it was on cable, so I was just flipping channels. Um, I just watched Mission Impossible 3 again uh, for the first time in a long time. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, oh, my God. Oh, what a really, great villain. He is. Really he's, he was so freaking talented. I saw him on Broadway once, and it blew me away. He was, he was great. Um, he could play anything. Mm. Um, so anyway, yeah, those are the three movies I watched on Saturday. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yeah, no, I, I did um, Leo Grand a couple of weeks ago. Oh, did, so did you uh, like it? Oh, yeah, no, I, I did. Re- I did. Because there's, there's like this charm about Emma Thompson. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and although, you mean, the, the film was... It was very British, right? The the sure. oh, like oh, oh, hello, oh, oh, okay, yes, come in, sit down, let's, oh, let's, oh, oh, that's oh, oh, charming, isn't it? Yeah, there was a lot of that. There was, was a lot of that. Kind of how, like Americans in our heads perceive <laughs> English people to be. You know, we think you're all just like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will. I would like a spot of tea. Then my British accent is horrendous. Um, yes, it was very much like, you know, here Americans, here are English people for you. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I love it. But, but yeah, the story though, it, it there was 
ah, like there was just something about that story that was very compelling. And yeah. because it's like this older woman, you know, t- towards the end of the life. And it's like the way she's talking as well, right? Because a lot of a film sometimes they'll pitch it that this person's been through this tough life and they've been abused. And it wasn't that. It was just like, look, she'd had a happy marriage, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't sparks and bangs. Look, at the end of the day, it was just about a woman who wanted to get laid. Yeah. Like, and you know what? What's wrong with that? Mm. Good for her. You go, girl. Loved it. Uh, so, it, it, so it, you know, it was in, because a lot of times it's, you know, it's a man. Right, they make these films and it's a man, so it's interesting changing that dynamic, and then for sure. And then we get, we get, I don't think it's a secret or a spoiler. Um, we get naked Emma Thompson, and good for her. Like, I should look that good when I'm her age, or I should look that good now. I mean, she is good for her. I thought that was fantastic. Diane Keaton did that too, and something's got to give. I just, I think that's amazing. Be yeah, I was not expect because it's like right at the end, so you just don't expect it, and suddenly it's just like, yeah. Well, oh. I knew my mother had warned me, uh, but uh, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> but no, I, I I thought it was a very charming film. There was something was. about the film that was very enticing. Yeah, and Maverick was sensational i mean i've seen it twice i would see it a third time if someone invited me i could go on my own for all i care i thought so much fun so so mm. much fun. and i what love is- um glenn powell mm. he needs someone needs to give him a vehicle i think he's charming oh, i think he's, he's great i've heard he's, he's got a film coming with um oh god damn it I forget the person, but yeah, the, he, he's got a big film coming with this other person, which is yeah. like super helpful information, right? Yeah. He's got a film with someone else. Yeah, yeah it's oh, a movie yeah. with a guy at the place. Um, <laughs> even in like, he was in Hidden Figures for like a total of 12 minutes. He played um, John Glenn, I think, right? But he was, even in that, he was adorable. I think he's great. I hope he has a big career. Mm, well, he, he, he had that cockiness. Yeah, yeah, he nailed it. Really, and I think that was a big thing about Maverick for me, right? Because we've had these remakes and these sequels to old films. Yeah. And they just don't work, right? Like, Total Recall. Oh, God. They they missed all the things that made the first Total... Because the first Total Recall, it wasn't that the acting was... No, no. I mean, Jessica Biel and Kate Beckinsale and Colin Farrell. And by the way, I am a huge Colin Farrell fan. I think he gets underutilized in movies so much. Um, And and that's a really good example, right? Like that Mm. movie was, I'm sure they went in with the best of intentions, but the original Total Recall is one of my favorite action movies and they just did not accomplish that well. So when they went a totally serious. different movie. They should have just named it something different and called it that. Mm. It was, yeah, not not a sparkling moment in cinematic but history. I think that's the thing, though. They go serious, yeah, right. And and Maverick kept it fun, right? Yeah. It, they, it was over the top. It was stupid. Yeah. It was silly, but they they balanced it out perfectly to fit the tone of an 80s film so it just yeah. works so well 
Really yeah. good Maverick. Did a really good job. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yo, so you go to a lot of gigs, right? I see Jeff Goldblum. Like, oh. I, I think oh. we need to touch on that. I mean, I live in Los Angeles, right? So one of the one of the benefits of of living in Hollywood, so to speak, is everyone comes here. Everyone does. There's a lot of stuff you can check out. So I try to take advantage of that. So like, yes, Jeff Goldblum has an orchestra he plays with. He used to play at this little club here called the Rockwell once a month, and um, he he plays with his jazz orchestra. They're called the Mildred Snitzer Orchestra, I believe, mm. and he plays piano and sings. And uh, that was a fun show. I went a few years ago because he plays music and then like talks about his career in between songs and he takes questions. And at one point he asked for volunteers to sing with him and I sang with him, which was like <laughs> dream come, it's when we fell in love. And, um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Recently I went to, he played the Walt Disney concert hall, which is a fairly large venue. I went and saw that. Um, you know, but there's lots of stuff here. There's Q and A's and book signings and concerts. And, you know, as much as my pocketbook allows for it, I try to take in as much of that stuff as I can. Mm. Um, because why, I mean, this is where I live. Why wouldn't I, why, why would I just stay home all the time? How boring. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I see a lot of stuff, do a lot of things. So just today I bought, I bought tickets to, I think it's like, at the end of the month, I'm going to see Jennifer Gray from Dirty Dancing. Oh, okay. Um, she's going to talk about her new autobiography and sign books. And I was like, yeah, I'll go to that for 20 bucks. That sounds awesome. Mm. I'm seeing um, Mimi, 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 Mimi Driver? Yeah. Yeah. Mini, right? Yeah, Mini? yeah, yeah, like Minnie yeah. Mouse. Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen. Yeah, she's coming over doing a talk um, in October, end of October. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so great. She has a podcast. It's it's quite good. Uh, yeah, she does. She interviews other celebrities, but it's it's good. Ah, I didn't know. Episode, uh, pretty short. She has like a set list of questions she asks every episode, and um, it's good. It's entertaining. Hmm. But yeah, no, I thought that'd be, but yeah, as you said, look, a load of people come through London. So, yeah. you know what I mean? It, it's just, yeah, it's fascinating. Like, just going to see, like, just, man, just, you know, the amount of different gigs yeah. already this year. It's just been, like, sort of chili peppers at the last weekend. Um, You know, we're going to see Duran Duran. Wow. This coming weekend, nice. you know what I mean? It's it's just like, yeah, why, yeah. why not? Yeah, right? why not? Yeah, yeah, why not? You're only you're only this age once. Mm -hmm. Go do it. <laughs> and I I I just think it also see like seeing like these creative things it really does then kind of energize me because I'm just like, oh, right, I'm, yeah. I'm going to do this. And, oh, right, I need to go and do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I love to see other art. I love music. I love, love theater. Um, you know, I love to see as much stuff as I can. I love, I, yeah, when other people are creating, it inspires me to create. So, yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the insightful words of AJ. I know. Yeah. Please quote me on that. <laughs> on today's episode, AJ said, yeah, 800. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I apologize, by the way, that I'm drinking during your podcast? I'm a caffeine junkie. I have to have Oh, one. no problem at all. That's absolutely fine. Uh, what kind of stuff do you draw, by the way? Oh, yeah, I opened that window, didn't I? Um, mm -hmm. I I don't know, people. Um, in college, I was really into drawing, drawing comic book characters. I went through, like, all the Marvel characters. Um, I went through, like, this phase where I drew a lot of, like, cartoony stuff. Like, in high school, I was really into graffiti type. Okay. I drew yeah, a lot yeah. of lettering. Um. I went to high school with um, a guy named Mike Shinoda, who went on to be oh. in Lincoln Park. Yeah. And Mike was an artist. He still is an artist. And I would oftentimes copy stuff he drew. He's very talented. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. I wish he and I were still good friends. Um, <laughs> I ran into him not so long ago at a coffee shop, and it was really good to see him and, and chat. But, yeah, I wish... I wish I was getting those free Lincoln Park tickets. Um, and, <laughs> I, I saw um, Lincoln Park with Jay Z at the Milton. King I saw them too. The Gray Album. Oh my God, that was yeah. so much fun. Oh uh, my gosh, yes. Yes. Um, I got to see him. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But what do I draw now? I don't know. Sometimes I like, like, if I'm watching a red carpet and I see someone wearing a dress that I think is particularly beautiful sometimes i'll take out a piece of paper and try to draw it um sometimes i draw on my laptop like you know with photoshop or illustrator mm -hmm. or something like that so yeah i like to draw i love to color and shade so i went through during covid when we were all in lockdown i picked up a lot of like adult coloring books and did a lot of coloring for a while so yeah i'll email you some if you want to see i'll email you some some oh sketches. yeah oh, for sure uh, what comic book people? Like, who's your comic book people? I mean, I'm a Marvel girl for the most okay. part. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I was, my gateway drug into comics was X-Men. I watched that cartoon when it was on. Um, and then... You know, it, you know they're doing a, a follow-up to that series. Yes. They've got all the original voice cast. Yes. I'm oh, my day. Very excited. Very, yeah. very excited. Um yeah, I was very into cartoons in the 90s and still am in a way. I love Animaniacs. Can't get enough of those guys. Um, but anyway, superheroes. I'm a Marvel girl. Love all of it. The, the All of those movies becoming such a thing was like mm. my nerd dream come true. Um, you know, I would say in the present modern day Marvel universe, Captain America is probably my favorite. Um, but yes, I was an X-Men person in college. I read them. I had a friend in college and he and I would read them like crazy and discuss them and analyze them. Um, the first DVD I ever bought in like 1999 was the first X-Men movie with Hugh Jackman. Um, so yeah, I love all that stuff. Although I'm also like, you know, flipping to the other side. I'm also a huge Batman fan. I love Batman, but I like like 1966, 1960s, Adam West Batman. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. I also loved the animated series with Kevin Conroy voicing mm. Batman. Oh, that and was very good. Kevin that Conroy as Batman is like the best Batman. So good. Mm. So 
Yeah. Have you seen the new film? I have not. I keep forgetting to watch it. It's a big deal for me to set aside three hours to watch a movie at home. So I have not done it yet. Um, yeah, I should. I really should. It's dumb that I haven't, especially to get the bad taste of the Ben Affleck Batman out of my mouth. Like I should Ooh. probably, probably get into that. Um, mm. yeah. I'm really... I'm really curious to see, I don't know what DC is going to do now. They have kind of a PR issue on their hands with um, between Amber Heard and Ezra Miller. They've certainly had their hands full, yeah. but I know that Michael Keaton is supposed to come back as Batman in some capacity. And I'm really excited to see how that plays out. Mm. I mean, we get to see it. So. Yeah. I think it's been shot. Because I think it's in the yeah. Flash, you know. Well, and I, I think it's, but I think it's in the Flash, right? With Ezra yeah. Miller, where he's doing it. I don't know if they're doing like a Flashpoint story or something, but um, so. yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to see how that plays out. I'll be curious to see how they release that movie. Mm. I don't think Ezra can do any PR for them. So I mean, if I were his publicist, I'd tie him to a chair and say, "Stop moving." So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what have you because I've always thought with Batman why not have one like two actors one person play Bruce one person play Batman because I don't think they found the person who like Keaton was great but other than Keaton they, a lot of the other people were better one than the other I mean yeah. Bale was very good Bale was very good apart from the voice Bale was very good at both. Yeah. But it, 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 finding someone to do both has been a struggle. So you could yeah. get someone to play one and someone else to play the Batman. I mean, I think you could do that. But I think part of the appeal of Batman is that he's just like a regular dude who, when he puts on a suit, becomes a superhero. You know, if he becomes an entirely different person, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Because at that point, if he's going to turn into a different person, he might as well be venom or the beast like someone who physically transforms i don't know i don't know how i feel about that i'm going to be honest with you i do agree with you though with the movie casting like i think clooney was a really good bruce wayne mm. but was a horrendous batman yes um i think chris o'donnell was completely miscast across the board um <laughs> but like honestly the 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 deviation from canon in those films like you know they made barbara alfred's niece and alfred was like 100 years old and barbara was like <laughs> 19 like i just alfred's mother peg was her alfred's sister peg was her mother like it just you know that was ridiculous um so can you tell i've given this some thought um i rather enjoyed the plot line of the val kilmer batman um i don't think he was a particularly good bruce wayne but he was a pretty decent batman I yeah. thought Nicole Kidman kind of hammed it up in that movie. Mm. Mm. Um, but I think Jim Carrey was probably good cast for Riddler. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. you've got you've got Uma Thurman as Mae West as Poison Ivy, mm. which was talk about chewing the scenery, but you know, <laughs> I think you can get away with that a little bit. So yeah, I'm I'm cute because I haven't seen the new one yet either. And Oh, okay. Go real different with the Riddler in this one. Oh yeah. You know what? Let's do this. You watch it, and I'll watch it, and we'll we'll 
we'll swap some some com emails about it. We'll see. We'll see what we think. Um, yeah. Did you watch? Do you guys get uh, Gotham over there? The series? No. Oh. oh. Oh no! Actually, I think it might be on Netflix over here. Oh, okay. With um, Ben McKenzie as the commissioner. Well, he's not the commissioner yet. It's you know, it's about. The origin story of Bruce yeah. Wayne and Batman. That was that was pretty good for a few seasons. I think it kind of fell off, but that was really good in the beginning. It was interesting. Oh, okay. I liked that they did it. I thought that was a cool thing. So, hmm. yeah. Okay, I might give it a yeah because I kind of stayed away from a lot of the TV, the network TV stuff. Is yeah, well, like you know, people would have a fight and then they're fine. Like, you know what I mean? It was, just wasn't sure, gritty, sure. gritty. And so when Netflix did that, like Daredevil and Jessica Jones, oh man, that, I couldn't watch network stuff after that. Yeah. It was just so frigging good. They did a really good job. I especially love Jessica Jones. I'm a big yeah. David Tennant fan. So that was great. Um, I also like Doctor Who. So, <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, I so you guys get like the Berlanti verse shows, um, you know, with Stephen Amell and Grant Gustin, you know, those guys, the Green Arrow, the Flash. Yeah, I think some of it goes on Netflix. Yeah. Some of it I think you can get on like Now TV or Sky. So yeah. it's just like you have to kind of be you know, subscriptions to a lot of different yeah. things because we, yeah, we don't get HBO Max over here. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, we have, so on our, our network, it's called the CW. Mm. Um, we get um, what they call the Berlantiverse, which is Greg Berlanti, the producer who produces Arrow, The Flash, um, Batgirl, which just got canceled, Legends of Tomorrow, which just got canceled, um, mm. Stargirl. You know, he produces all of these superhero shows for the CW. Um, they're a lot of fun. Um, Green Arrow went off the air last year. I think The Flash is on its way out. So I'm not sure how much longer all those shows will be around. But, um, oh, and there was Supergirl. Supergirl was great. Um, okay. Well, And it's cool when you watch all those shows on one network. You get a lot of crossovers mm. and epics and part twos and part sevens. And it's it's a lot of fun to watch those Um those shows. Um, but you're right, you know, like Stephen Amell as the arrow, he could as Green Arrow, he could fall off a building and somehow <laughs> survive and then go to the office the next day. So yes, yeah. that definitely happens. Yeah, because yeah, I think that was the thing I loved about that. Like he got beat up in like episode two and episode seven, he's still messed up from that beating. And you're like, yeah, that makes so much sense, right? Yeah. And and it was just, yeah, I love that shit. That was great. Yeah. 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 So, oh. yeah, I love it. I'm a huge nerd. Huge, huge nerd. I know. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with it. No, nothing absolutely not. I don't apologize for it. Absolutely not. No. Mm -mm. I'm, I'm sitting here right now and I'm looking across the room and I've got like a Han Solo book here. I've got a the Ultimate Guide to the X-Men book there. Over there, I've got my Will Wheaton autobiography, my you know, my Back to the Future comprehensive book over here. It's Yeah, it's Nerdville. It's great. <laughs> now, I haven't got the new Will Wheaton biography, but he narrates a great audio book. Oh, good to he know. 
yeah, he's very like he does a lot of um John Scalazzi. I feel that's how you oh, pronounce okay. it. I'm gonna write um, that down. Yeah. And, and yeah, he's great at narrating. Okay. Yeah. I I love him. Um, I think he has he's he's been blogging since before the word blogging was a word. Um I think he does a lot for mental health advocacy that is really admirable. Um, I like that he's very open about that. I think if you listen to an interview with him and hear about his life story, it's insane what he actually got put through as a child star. Mm. Um, so I, I admire him a lot. I like him a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Does he have a podcast? He should have a podcast if he's a good narrator. I don't, I've not heard of one. Yeah. I do recommend if you're, if you're interested in like mental health, um, you know, advocacy, Mayim Bialik um, has a podcast called Mayim Bialik's Breakdown. What's cool about that is that in addition to being an actress, she's also a neuro yeah. scientist or what have you. So she has, she had Will Wheaton on one episode and they talked about his life and his career trajectory and his struggles with depression and what have you. And what's cool about that is that Mayim can then discuss like what in the brain actually causes that stuff and what the synapses are and the chemicals and all that stuff. So it's really interesting to hear about it because you're getting like the, the emotional and heartfelt um, testimony of what it's like. But then on the flip side, you're also getting the science behind it, which I find really interesting. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's looking for an interesting podcast about that subject, that's, that's my recommendation. Um, mm -hmm. Glenn Close also has a really cool um, nonprofit called Bring Change to Mind that advocates for young people with mental health issues. And then speaking of Supergirl, Christopher Wood, who was in Supergirl, um, and is I think he's married to Melissa Benoist, who played Supergirl Benoist, I think. Um, he has a nonprofit called I Don't Mind, which is dedicated to making breaking the stigma against talking about mental health. Like he wants it to be part of mainstream conversation, which I think is really important. So mm. in case you can't tell, that's kind of like my pet cause is mental health awareness. I think that that's important, especially in light of what, what we've been through in the last few years. I mean, we just had a global pandemic and I don't think, you know, people are talking about the mental anguish of that enough. So I'll get down off my soapbox now. I, no, I, I, I definitely feel, look, I, I always feel there's these these things that we don't talk about, which are part of everyday life. And it's kind yeah. of weird that we don't acknowledge like these aspects of it. Yeah. Because and especially in my line of work or in anyone's line of work in, in Hollywood, it's, it's, you know, it looks really glamorous to the outside world. And I recognize that it's a privilege to work in this industry, but it is very grueling and demanding and stressful and um there's a lot of pressure to behave a certain way and look a certain way and know certain people and um if you're not taking care of yourself you can really drown so um and and i'm sure the same could be said for lots of other fields of work as well so i just think it's important that we all stop and take stock of our lives and, and take care of ourselves and go on vacations and take that lunch break and mm. if you're tired take a freaking nap it doesn't matter that you're 45 or whatever take a nap um you know go to the park just yeah take care of yourself mm. that's something i've really learned over the last few years is how important that is so. yeah oh for sure yeah 
definitely, definitely. Before I let you go, AJ. Yes. I feel you should tell people about the brunches. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you follow me on that? <laughs> Kevin. Um, yeah. So I have an Instagram account. It's called Hollywood Brunch. All one word. Um, yeah. So like, I really love going to brunch. It's, it's something fun to do with my girlfriends or even my guy friends. It doesn't have to be just my girlfriends. I love going to brunch, um, in certain cities like LA brunch is like a cultural thing. It's like a whole event, you know, you put on your big shady hat and your big dark sunglasses and you go and sip bottomless mimosas and talk about gossip. And, you know, it's like a whole vibe. Um, so I was, I was going to a lot of brunch and all of my friends were, you know, joking that I should be a, a brunch critic or something like that because I became everyone's go-to person. Like I need to go to brunch in Beverly Hills. Where should I go? Um, so I, it all led to me starting this Instagram account where I literally only post photos of brunch. And the and photos are like, um, like I, I I go to the account and I can't remember if I'm following it, but I go to it because I'm just like these pictures are making me feel mad hungry. I, I mean, know that's like, that's oh. my goal. I'm here to make you feel hungry. Oh um, my god! Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, I don't I don't do it as a job. I don't get paid or anything. I just it's just fun. It has led to some cool opportunities. You know, every now and then a a restaurant will invite me to come try some new menu item or something like that. Um, and and it's led, led to a couple of writing opportunities. I've done some articles for some oh, websites, nice. like a food journalist capacity. Um, but yeah, I mean, generally it's just for fun. I just like brunch. I love a good eggs Benedict and a Bloody Mary, man. Like that's that's all there is. It's just a fun thing that I do. So and if I'm if I if you're looking at it and it makes you hungry or it makes you want to try one of the restaurants I'm talking about, all the better. So yeah, follow me at Hollywood Brunch. Nice. And so what is Eggs Benedict and a Bloody Mary the go-tos? Oh my God. Well, you know, I can't eat hollandaise sauce every day, but I will <laughs> eat it, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, generally, and I also always kind of joke that like you can you can judge how good a restaurant is for brunch by how good their Eggs Benedict is. Because if you screw up an Eggs Benedict, then like you just don't know what you're doing. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like my go-to dish. Um, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not so much a mimosa person as I am a Bloody Mary person. The first year of, of lockdown during the pandemic, I spent like a good amount of time more than I should admit perfecting my own Bloody Mary recipe. <laughs> like it was a project. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I love a Bloody Mary. I do. I'll drink them any time of day. It doesn't have to be Sunday. Uh-huh. I'm allergic to tomatoes, so... Oh, I, I you know what's funny, it. though? I don't like tomatoes. I hate tomatoes, but I love Bloody Marys. I love tomato soup. I love ketchup, but I just hate tomatoes, mm. like raw tomato. But that's funny. I've never met someone who's allergic to them. Yeah, make me feel horrendous. Like, huh. the more I eat, the worse I will be. Like, oh, okay. yeah, one okay. time... Someone gave me tomatoes and they didn't tell me. <gasps> and I, it was like I had a really bad flu. I oh, was no. so ill. Oh, it's, it's, not, it's not good. Oh, see, I have a lot of allergies, but I don't get sick like that. I just get like 
headaches or I get itchy or something like that. That's unfortunate. I'm so sorry. That's a bummer. I'm allergic to, um, I'm allergic to a few things, but the one thing I'm sad that I'm allergic to is hazelnut. Uh, I, I wish I could have hazelnut. I feel like it pairs really well with chocolate and I'm missing out. So. <laughs> <laughs> so no Nutella for you. No. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> I had a friend in high school who was um who she still is she's Israeli and in Israel I think they eat like Nutella sandwiches as like a treat um and so I would go to her house and she would have Nutella sandwiches and I would just be like oh, <laughs> oh that's so good so <laughs> Uh, AJ, this has been very fun. This My hair fun. has like deteriorated throughout this conversation. I don't know what's happening over here. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Thank you. Okay. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> How can people keep track of everything you're doing? I mean, the best is, uh, well, when people watch this, will they see my name at the bottom of the screen here like it is now? Yep, yep. Yeah, so it says AJ Fuhrman. That's my handle. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all the things with that name. That is that is me everywhere. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Unless they want to follow Hollywood Brunch or you want to follow follow my dog who has his own Instagram. <laughs> I'm a little carried away, folks. Um, yeah, but yeah, just follow me. Okay, well... The, the links are in the episode information, people, as usual. So make sure you go give AJ a follow because if you are looking for good films, she's got the hookup. Yeah, thank you for being such a champion for independent films, Kevin. It's so appreciated. It is not easy to come by. Um, and you're always so nice and so pleasant to work with and so appreciative and, you know, I'll just I'll just keep sending you movies, you know. Just, no, I appreciate I, it. I appreciate that. I and then all your well. listeners and viewers, thank you for listening and watching, and then hopefully going to see those movies. So, yeah, that's all well, I got. It's been a pleasure, and looking forward to um, yeah, all the future fun things that you will be passing my way, and I'm hoping. You're working with Michaela and Arthur on a I am join. Yes, they are they are working on a new movie. It's called Remy and Arletta. It's mm -hmm. adorable. Um, it's wonderful. It is being produced by Riverside Entertainment, who also happens to be a client of mine. So it's wonderful synergy. Um uh, I can't wait to tell people more about this movie. It's gonna be great. Michaela is going to be a huge, huge actress. Arthur is going to be a huge talent. They are wonderful human beings. I love mm. working with them. I just so adorable. There's such a perfect, like, you know what I mean? You just, yeah. you'll be like, yeah, you two make yeah. sense together. Yeah. The, the three of us had dinner not too very long ago. And it was just, it was a blast hanging out with them. They're great. Great people. Um, you know, Arthur is French. So you should make him talk to you in French. It's pretty cool. I love I love hearing French for some reason. <laughs> Very romantic. Oh, uh, that yeah. I'm I'm after clairvoyant. I'm all I know about whatever they do. That that yeah. movie is so great. That movie was so 
I mean, that's a really good example of like an independent film that needed more attention. Not that we didn't get a lot of it, but um, that movie was so well received. I don't think we had one bad review and getting people to pay attention to it was such a challenge because I don't think I'm offending them by saying this. Arthur and Michaela are not famous. They're not very mm. well known. So it was it was really a grind to get people to watch that film. And so we appreciate people like you taking a chance on it because that's the only way they're going to end up having careers. So yeah, if, if you're out there watching and you need like a good, funny, biting, relevant comedy, like go watch Clairvoyant and it's uh, spelled, you know, like the name Clairvoyant. So yeah. It, it took me a little while to uh, work that one out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look <laughs> at the beginning, you're like, Oh my God, this is so offensive. But <laughs> Eventually, you, you catch on to what they're trying to do with it. It's, it's quite brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you've met someone like Claire. That's the great oh, thing about it. You've met percent. someone like her. Yeah. So yeah. Just... There's always that girl you get stuck talking to her in a corner at a party, and and it's a nightmare. So yeah, yeah. We've all we've all got a Claire. <laughs> no question. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. But yeah, definitely looking forward to the new join. So, um, Thank you. you know, hopefully we will be talking about that at some point soon. Yeah, yeah, I owe you an email. Awesome, awesome. All right. <laughs> well, AJ, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. People, go follow AJ. She's the best. Thank and um, we will see you um, again soon. All right. Thank right. you, Kevin. Talk right. to you soon. Right. Bye. There you go, people. How great is AJ? I don't trust it. Like, yo, she's awesome. And I got, yeah. So remember when these great interviews and things come, like, some, you know what I mean? I managed to get myself somehow. <laughs> you know what I mean? But oh, Michael Beach and Eugene Virgin put that up. That was fire, right? Like the, the, the Daniel one that we did this this weekend. Um, yeah, it was Yeah, I was making get those. But AJ is probably behind most of the things that we've seen and will be coming. So, yo, when, you know what I mean? Understand how pivotal this this woman has been to this shit. And, uh, yeah, hope it's a uh, situation that continues and uh, grows. My child be born. I hope you enjoy it. Anyway, you know what I mean? Hey, we circle this girl. Right. So, I'm going to enjoy this time. 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 I'm going to enjoy this time